In today's show, we're going to be looking at the Orlando Magic, their 2019-20 season, what it means for now, what it means for the future, all of that stuff. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. As I said, today we are looking at the Orlando Magic and looking back at their season. Let's get straight into the questions that you guys asked. First off on the Instagram story and then... uh, and then over on Twitter, uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to be looking at the Portland Trailblazers. So get your questions in for the Blazers uh, on the story or uh, on Twitter when I throw out that question over there as well. So the first question from Yunulbak. How do you think Jonathan Isaac's contract extension will play out since he's not playing next season? Let's remember that. Jonathan Isaac tore his ACL in the bubble. He won't play next season. Um, I don't think that the Magic will go ahead and give him that contract extension. I think they'll probably let it play out until restricted free agency. It would be in Isaac's... Actually, I was going to say it would be in Isaac's best interest, but it probably doesn't actually matter for him. So now now I'm reassessing this question because... um, Between now and the time that he's a restricted free agent, he's not going to play. So whether they give him a contract extension before next season or they give him a contract in restricted free agency, it doesn't really matter too much. What it does come down to is what they do in this free agency in terms of do they sign Evan Fournier long-term? Do they have cap space for the 2021 offseason? Because if they have some cap space for 2021 offseason, then they would prefer not to extend Isaac keep him as a restricted free agent, and then sign his extension after they get into free agency in 2021. So ideally, yeah, that's not ideal for him because he has to wait an extra year to get that guarantee. Not that he gets the money earlier, but he gets the guarantee of the money coming. I think it's coming either way. And again, nothing is going to change in that time. Maybe he pushes for the extension in case there's a setback in his knee uh, knee situation. But if the Magic have any ideas of playing in the 2021 free agency sweepstakes, then they'll want to hold off on giving him that extension. F Jones 9235 says, Aaron Gordon was extremely frustrating to have this season, will he finally get it going? I really don't have huge amounts of faith in Aaron Gordon turning it around. We sort of know where he is or who he is at this point in his career. Um, and you know, things can change. Obviously, players can improve and get better. But Aaron Gordon's got that opportunity. He's had that opportunity forever. He's always been a low steals and blocks guy. He's a poor shooter. Um, he's not a player you want to be a high usage guy. I just think that he can be better than this, marginally. But... Yeah, is he ever going to fully break out? He's 25. He's had the F60 years or so in the NBA. I think this is just who he is at this point in his career. Uh, Dave Rumps, another Isaac question. I traded for Isaac in a dynasty league. What do you expect for him when he returns in 2022 um, or 2021-22 season? More more accurately, Dave. Um it's hard because obviously the severe ankle injuries limited him as a rookie. Then he had the knee injury this year, and then he had the knee injury on the same knee again. Torn ACLs aren't the end of somebody's career. Uh, the fact that he keeps getting these lower body injuries is, is a real concern. I do think that when he is back on the court, his production will be fine. 
It'll be as good as it was, and hopefully he gets some time to improve his offensive game. That's what would have been the big thing for Isaac this year, to become an offensive semi-force, not really a a full force, but a a semi-force offensively. But um, he's not going to have that opportunity. So I I do expect him to come back pretty pretty similar, but then the risk of re-injury is higher. And then if that happens again, if the ACL happens again, then he's in real trouble. And, And that's where the risk lies, I guess, with Isaac there. Snapshot, what can we expect from Markel Fultz next season? I'm, I don't know at this point. It was really his rookie year. He started. He played 28 minutes a night, and he was the 81st ranked player. I don't think anybody would have expected Fultz to be that level this year. I was, uh, from memory, I don't remember everything that happened in the preseason, but from memory, I was yeah, looking at, at what Fultz was able to do. Uh, sorry, he wasn't He wasn't the 71st ranked player. I was, I'm mistaken. Um he he was a guy that you wouldn't have expected for him to be that good at the beginning of the year. He was 136th ranked player. That was a, that's my mistake. What he was able to do to establish himself as yeah, an NBA level player is 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 impressive to me. Now the improvement has got to come in uh, scoring because he was low usage and only averaged 12 points. His shooting was poor. We know that, but. The encouraging thing was he was at 73 from the line, which is not great, but it, it uh, it's better than what he has been in the past. I really think that he can jump up into the top 100 next season. He's only 22. I think there is some big years uh, ahead for Marco Fultz. I don't think he's ever going to be that superstar we thought. That would rely upon the shooting becoming elite, the usage becoming super high, and the defensive stats really pushing up. And he was a huge blocks guy in college as a guard, and that hasn't really translated. So that's part of the, the problems there with his numbers. Snapshot also says, will the Magic trade Aaron Gordon? If Jonathan Isaac wasn't hurt, I would say almost definitely. Um, with Isaac out, they won't be in as much of a rush to trade Aaron Gordon, but I would not expect in two years' time Aaron Gordon to be on this team. I, I just don't think that he will be um, he will be around, unfortunately for him. I just think that the upside has been shown to be limited, and Isaac will eventually take over that power forward position, and they'll get a small forward in, uh, or maybe there's a small foot on the roster, who is someone we will talk about a little bit later on. All right. Let's go on to the questions that you guys did have over on the old uh, the old bird app. Let's have a look at those questions that you guys sent through on Twitter. All right, bring those ones up. There's lots of questions that do overlap as well over here. Matt Lawson, let's just go straight into the Magic Dynasty ADPs. Nick Vucevic at 42.4. I think that that is... It's, look, it depends on where you're at, really. What's your team like? Because you'll probably be that guy for another year or two. And then after that, he will... Uh, I think it'll, it'll be someone who falls off pretty quickly, but he's already 30. So I, it might be a little high. John Isaac at 59, I would I would take the punt on that for sure. Aaron Gordon at 78, nothing to do with that at all. Buy Sell the shit out of that. Uh, Fultz at 87, I think he beats that. Uh, Fournier at 123. I think Fournier at 123 is probably about the right area. Mo Bumba at 146. I just don't really trust Bumba. But... 146 is low enough that I think it's worth the risk to be a top 70 player if things ever turn around. Terrence Ross at 168. I think it's about right. Shumar Akiki at 184. That's really high for a guy that's never played. Uh, I do like Akiki quite a bit. Can he develop any sort of offense? I'm not sure. We haven't seen him at all. He's going to be coming back off his ACL injury this season. And now the opportunity is available for him with Jonathan Isaac out for him to slide in and play 20 minutes and then ramp up to 26, 27 minutes as the season goes on. 
I, I would buy into that. Augustine at 291. Uh, I think DJ's probably got one year left as a serviceable backup. That would be my guess. Nurkic Circus. I think Fultz is a top 100 player moving forward. Am I crazy? No, because I believe that as well. What categories does he need to improve? Scoring, threes, um, get those block numbers up as well. He says, do you think Akiki will start at small forward or will we see Ennis there or another vet? Um, well, Ennis is a free agent, so maybe he is back. I believe he's a free agent. He, he, no, he's got a $2.1 million player option, so he might be back. Carter Williams played some time there as well. Uh, Wes Wundu is a restricted free agent. He played some, some minutes there, but these are not great players. I think Akiki eventually will start at small forward next season, but it won't be immediately would be my guess on that one. How Jonathan Chown, how underrated are pinstripes? Uh, it depends. I, I like the 90s nostalgia feel from the Magic jersey, but yeah, pinstripes can give off a real uh, a real vibe of like, this guy is a shady character. Doesn't necessarily translate to uh, basketball jerseys. Also, the new Atlanta Hawks MLK jerseys. I love that they're just really pushing that city jersey concept and just going, let's just go hard and really just chuck stuff out there. I really enjoy that. Um, Larry Bird, not his real name. What... ADP, would you be looking to take Markel Fultz in fantasy drafts next season? Who, um, I, I think you're looking at him in the 80 to 90 range. I don't know because I haven't projected everybody out, but I think that's probably realistic in that, you know, maybe 100 around that sort of area. Separately, I would love a how to start a dynasty league pod when you have time. That will come up. I'm no doubt that I will do that. Although, what's going to happen is after I finish all these team previews, we're going to move straight into NBA draft stuff and free agency. And then... With the season likely starting in January, normally between the draft and free agency, we have three months. We have August, September, and then October, and then we start a season. This year, we might have six weeks. So all of the preseason content is going to be really crammed in. I will try that, lads. Don't worry. Um, Let's have a look. David Williams, with no Isaac, who is the person that gains the most value next season? Well, we've got to see what happens in free agency. It could be Ennis. It could be Akiki. They'd be my two guesses. Aaron Gordon maybe gets helped a little bit as well. Um, let's have a look. Who should the Magic be targeting in the draft? They need scorers and shooters. I've got them in my latest mock taking Tyrese Maxey as a guard, someone to come in there, maybe take the DJ Augustin role to be someone who can score a little bit. Maybe his shooting can translate. I think that's the sort of player that they be looking should be looking for, not... You have three fours with long length and defensive ability. They've got those players. They should be looking for scorers. Spencer Lynn, is Steve Clifford an underrated underrated coach? Um, I would say yes. He's He was quite stubborn, especially in his time with the Hornets. Less so with Orlando. He runs a tight rotation. He's really good at getting the most out of his players. Can he take them from that seventh, eighth seed where he sort of was with the Hornets and now he is with the Magic to a higher level? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if it's him or if it's the talent that's around or it's a combination of both. But I think he's a, a really solid middle-of-the-range coach who's probably not going to be out there losing games for you. But can he elevate you, give you an extra five, six wins? Uh, that's what I'm not sure about. But I think he's been obviously a, a really strong option for them. It's, it's pushed him into that area. But getting to that next step is going to be the tough one. In terms of uh, tough ones, rockauto.com, they are the toughest that doesn't even make sense. But you know what they are? They are the best place that you can go online to buy auto parts for your car or truck. Not only online, because you don't want to go into a bricks and mortar store, because those guys there, they're not going to have the parts you want. There are so many different parts for so many different cars and makes and models that when you go into a store, the bloke at the computer, tick, click, 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 click. Oh, sorry, mate, don't have it. Three or four weeks. 
What are you talking about, mate? I can go to rockauto.com and order it and get it delivered straight to my door without having to come in and deal with your nonsense. Plus, the guys at rockauto.com, they don't have different prices for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. It is the same reliably low price right across the board for everybody. How good's that? They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whatever you need, you can get in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com now. See all of the parts available for your car or truck and in their How Did You Hear About Us box, write Locked On so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You guys have heard about Built Bar and now there's a new product, Built Go. Built Go, when you're, you know, you're struggling, it's a stressful day, you're dealing with a lack of energy, you've got to push through a war. I know that when it gets to the middle of the day after getting up early, recording podcasts, preparing stuff for the shows and for when NBA games are on, sometimes you push through to the end of the day and it's tough. Built Go is what you need to push through that wall. It is a healthy replacement for an energy drink. The energy is not fake. It's a long-lasting and natural energy. What it is, it comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. And I'm told one and a half ounce, is not, it's not a big amount. It's a little amount because I don't, we don't do ounces here. We use metric system. You know what that is. I think one and a half ounces is about 45 mils. From memory, you put it in your pocket, in your briefcase, in your golf bag. When you need that energy hit to push through that wall, use your built go. It's like five hour energy without that same crash feeling. And it's natural, so it's better for the body. There are three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein's fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. It's also loaded with beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine to go with B6 and vitamin B12, getting all of your daily needs met in one little sachet. Visit builtgo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. So the promo code is LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. Let's go indeed, and let's move into talking about these players on the Orlando Magic with a bit more detail than we've talked about already. And of course, the guy that I think everyone wants to talk about, by far the best fantasy player on this team, is Jonathan Isaac. But again, he's just not going to play next season. He's Tory's ACL in the bubble. You feel really bad for the bloke who'd already come back from the knee injury, which we didn't even think we'd see him play in Orlando. And, uh, and there he is. He was out there, and then the knee crumpled, and it's a bad sign. He was a 33rd ranked fantasy player this year. His Raptor was through the roof, plus 3.9, 1.78 PIPM, 55 true shooting. He averaged 12 points in just 29 minutes a game. Seven rebounds. He hit a three. He had 1.6 steals and 2.3 blocks. We know what Jonathan Isaac does. He gets defensive numbers absolutely up the wazoo. And this is really a base level of where he can get to. Maybe he doesn't block 2.3 shots per game. But 1.6 steals, two blocks... Under 12 points in 29 minutes, playing 33 minutes, let him get 17 points, let him hit one and a half threes, get eight to nine rebounds, and you are talking about a top 20, top 15 player. The risk is obviously there, but he had a true shooting of 55%, 47 from the field and 34% from three, and he took under three threes per game. I think he should be able to take six a game, hit two threes, get 17 points, 17, nine, one and a half, two. That's top 20. He has taken strides. He's, you know, to get to an offensive powerhouse, he needs to get to the line more. He needs to shoot more. He needs to shoot better. And there are things that maybe they don't happen. But defensively, he is already elite. Like already, he is elite. And fantasy-wise, he is the best defensive player that you can get. 
and then bring those other things on top of it, then you're looking at a real start. He just turned 23, so he'll be back when he's 24. Um, and there's still massive upside. Now, he'll probably be eased in in his first season back, but he's going to have seasons where he's not playing just 29 minutes a night. I think we can all feel pretty comfortable in saying that, that there are going to be years where he plays 32, 33 minutes, and that's going to be awesome for him. He has got a lot of growth still to come. The knee injury puts some doubt on him getting there, but I do believe that uh, John Isaac can get there and can produce a top 20 fantasy season. You know, I've been big on him for years. Nikola Vucevic, the 34th ranked player, plus uh, 2.97 PIPM and 2.2 Raptor. Massive advanced numbers. True shooting is only at 55. His usage was at 26. He averaged almost 20 and 11. He only blocked 0.8 shots. And if those of you who look at you know, centers, oh, he didn't even block a shot per game. Why would I want him? Well, he's a 34th ranked player without doing that. He scored in a big way. He got lots of rebounds. He was super efficient, 48 and 78. For true shooting, only 55% because he didn't shoot particularly well from three, but he still hit 1.6 of them. Um, really, really strong numbers. But as I said, he's 30 years of age. He's had injury problems in his career. I think he can probably be at a similar level next season, especially with no Isaac around, just another player who could potentially play some minutes at center. I really like what Vucevic has been able to do. He was dominant in the bubble as well. He averaged 20 and 10 there, didn't block a single shot, but had a 62 true shooting and hit threes at 40%. No reason he can't be at the same level again next season. After that, is where some of the concerns come in as to what he you know, can produce uh, moving forward. But I think, again, at least one year of being that top 40 player, uh, maybe he can get high, but probably top 40, and then maybe another year as a top 60 guy, and then or maybe another two years. But after that, then it starts to drop off. But really, really strong stuff from Vucci. He's really turned his career, not around, but been able to become even better as he's gotten older. And at age 30, he put in one of his best fantasy seasons ever. Let's move on to the next guy, and that is Evan Fournier, who was the 69th-ranked player. Giggity! Of course he was. Um, really big turnaround from uh, Fournier as well, who was nowhere near this good the year before. How did he become this good? He played 31 minutes and averaged almost 19 points. He got three assists with a steal. So nothing spectacular there, but it's the true shooting numbers. It's impressive. 60% from a guard is huge. He was a negative 0.33 PIPM and a plus four for his Raptor and 24 usage. The difference is last year, he was the 128th ranked player. He scored an extra three points per game. His true shooting went from 54 to 50 uh, to 60. So a big jump there uh, as well. Um, his steals improved. So that's what he was able to do. He was able to hit more threes. He was able to score more. His usage went up and he did it more efficiently. So big combinations of things. Um, shot 39 from three instead of 34 from three. So that's where he was able to step up. Now, Fournier is just about to turn 28. So he's a lot younger than he actually expect. He is an unrestricted free agent. I imagine Orlando brings him back because the market is not going to be huge, but they'll probably look to bring him back. Maybe it's three years, 55 million. I could see them doing something like that. And next year, he will have a similar load. All it's going to come down to with Fournier though, is does he shoot 39% from three, 40% from three, or does he shoot 35% from three? Because that's the difference between being a top 70, top 80 type player or being a guy who's the back end type of guy. Given his uh, career, I don't think that we should necessarily rely upon him being that 40% three-point shooter. I think we should have the expectation that maybe drops off. And then instead of an 18 or 19 point per game scorer, he's a 17 point per game scorer and loses a couple of percentage points off his efficiency, which dips his value down. And I think that's probably a realistic way at looking at Fournier over the next couple of years. 
Aaron Gordon, the 121st ranked player. The year before, he was 80th. So what changed from Gordon? Well, he played fewer minutes this year. Let's go through some of his other numbers, actually, before we do this. Um, plus 0.49 PIPM, negative 0.9 Raptor. So not a disaster advanced stats-wise. True shooting was terrible. 52% and usage at 21% is not ideal. So where did he drop off? Well, he averaged one and a half fewer points per game for down from 16 to 14 and a half. His three-pointers dropped by 25% from 1.6 down to 1.2 because his shooting went from 35 down to 31. He averaged the same assists, basically the same rebounds, and basically the same steals and blocks. And by basically the same, I mean both horrible. 0.8 steals and 0.6 blocks did uh, did Gordon average this season, which are obviously not good numbers. The problem we have here is he went from 73 from the line down to 67 from the line. And at this point, we just have to realize that he's not a good free throw shooter. If he's a 73 percentage point guy or 73% free throw guy, then he maybe is a top 100 player. That is the difference that that makes. If he shoots 67, then he's outside the top 100. That appears to be the difference. It's the difference in his scoring. It's the difference in his overall efficiency. Um, The three-point shooting is something to be concerned about as well. Um, But that's the difference. But in terms of actually getting upside, he was never going to get assists or steals or blocks or be a very good shooter. And he's probably not going to be a guy that demands really high usage. That 20% usage he had this year is probably the right area for him. He also didn't play at all in the the bubble outside of... Sorry, he played four games, but he wasn't, wasn't himself with a hamstring injury, um, and was at a similarly poor level with the with the, the poor free throw shooting, the non-existent defensive numbers. He only played 26 minutes and averaged 15 points, which is better than during the season. I think there is a legitimate chance that he does get back in the top 100 on the back of maybe being a 71% free throw shooter, but I just don't really see massive long-term upside for Aaron Gordon. He's only 25, but where's where's he going to improve? Is he going to become a knockdown shooter? Is he going to become a high usage guy? Is he going to become a high defensive stats guy? I would say the most likely answer for all three of those is no. And if you, you had to say, is the likelihood of one of those becoming good? higher than the likelihood of none of them becoming good, then I'd say no, because I'd think the idea is that none of those things have a chance of actually becoming good for Big As Gordon. Terry Ross, the 122nd ranked player for the year, negative 1.38 PIPM and plus four Raptor. They just signed him to a contract extension. Not sure how good that's going to look in a few years. Uh, Ross did average uh, 14 points in 28 minutes in the bubble. We know what he is. He is a three-point shooter. 15 points for the year, 2.6 triples, 27 minutes, 35% from three, 40% from the line. What he does is he hits threes. He got a steal a game, but that's what he does. Some scoring, some threes, good free throw percentage on low volume. I don't think we should be expecting him to really change. This is sort of who he is. He's not uh, you know, that good of a, an advanced stats number or advanced stats player, as we've seen in the past from him. Those numbers are okay. The Raptors better than the POPM, which is a significant negative. But this is just who Terrence Ross is. And I don't really see big changes coming for him uh, across the course of his career, which is unfortunate for uh, for Terry. Next up is Markel Fultz. Again, a player that many people want to know about. 135th ranked player. Negative 2.4 Raptors, a bit concerning. 0.77, negative 4 POPM. 52 true shooting, 21 usage. But I'm encouraged by Fultz. 12, 3, and 5, 1.3 steals, half a 3. 47 and 73 of his percentages. Now, I'm super encouraged that a bloke that couldn't shoot for two years was able to be a 47% field goal guy, hitting 51% of his twos, only 27% of his threes. That's the kicker there. Can he become a 35% shooter on four or five attempts per game? He does that, and then he is that top 100 player and 16-point-per-game guy. I think overall peak from Fultz, I could see him be getting... 
you, could he ever be a 20-point per game scorer? It's probably four or five years away. I can maybe see him getting there. Um, I think he should be playing 31 minutes a night next season. And it took him a while uh, to, to get to those minutes. He only played 23 in the bubble, but he was dealing with uh, illness and injury there. So that was a concern. And the shooting was, again, still not great. But he did hit in the bubble 35% of his threes and still 78% from the line. He's got to get better at, at generating assists, only five assists per game which you'd want to be at seven. And I think he can get there. I think that um, there's a potential for a real breakout for Fultz coming next season. Play him 30 plus minutes, get to 15, four and six, get one and a half steals. And let's see if the three point shooting can come along. That's the big thing. Will he ever become a star? I think the odds uh, are against that at this point, but I think he can become much better than what we've seen probably three years away from getting to his absolute peak, which maybe he can peak out at top 60, bring some of those blocks back in that we saw in Washington uh, in college and get the assists up and he can get to that level. But I still have some pretty big faith in Markel Fultz and it's, it's great to see him be able to bounce back the way he did this season. Michael Carter-Williams, career appeared dead. 195th ranked player this year, 0.6 PRPM, an absolutely massive point, uh, sorry, not point, 4.3 Raptor, 54 true shooting, played as a small forward, played as a point guard, played as a shooting guard. And look, he can't shoot. We know that, but he showed how to be successful without shooting and without scoring. Seven points per game. He averaged a steal per game. He hit 83 from the line, which for Michael Carter-Williams is nothing to sneeze at. He averaged a steal a game in under 19 minutes. He was a guy that they could plug in, and he could be really, really useful at multiple positions. Super, super impressive season from Carter-Williams. He's 29 years of age. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think they'd like to bring him back because he was unbelievably useful, unbelievably useful for this team. He was a guy that when he played 23, 24 minutes, you could actually stream him for fantasy, get some assists, get some steals, get some rebounds. We know he can put up those numbers. The shooting is never going to be there. The offense is never going to be there, but he can put up some other numbers. So he's a name in deeper leagues where I reckon for the next year, at least, at least one more season, he can produce at a similar level, but really turned around his career and put uh, put together you know, really good numbers as a role player, one through three defensive specialist, and the Magic uh, used him perfectly, I thought, this last season. Next up, uh, it is DJ Augustin, the 199th ranked player for the season. DJ um, started at times uh, during the year, especially during the bubble, ended up with 10 points in 25 minutes with a three per game, shot just a tick under 40%, including 35% from three. Uh, his advanced stats, negative 1.14 PIPM, negative 1.1 Raptor. That's sort of what you expect for DJ. He is 33 years of age and he is an unrestricted free agent. Maybe they look to bring him back, um, but he's not going to be playing a large role. He's a guy that can come in and produce offense and be a shooter. But at 33, maybe he's got one to two years left as a capable NBA backup. And I think that's what we should be looking at for DJ August. And that's why I thought maybe that uh, yeah, a dynasty ADP number for him was a little bit too high given his age and given where he finished this season. But he was able to come in, be successful in his role, you know, start in a pinch when they need him. And that's all you can ask for from a backup point guard. But I'd like them to look in a different direction in that spot. Maybe that is in getting someone like Tyrese Maxey. Mo Bamba, a player who... When he was drafted, legitimately, he's going to start. People thought he's going to start. Vooch is going to get traded. Bumba's the future. And let's be honest, he's been not good. He's 22 years of age. He played 14 minutes a night, averaged 5-5 five and five with 1.4 blocks. Now, that 1.4 blocks makes you go, ah, that's pretty good in those limited minutes. That's good. 
But defensively, he's not good. He, he sucks. He's out of position. He's not strong enough. Um, offensively, he's lost the shooting. He's at least attempting threes, and he hit 35% of them. That's not bad. 1.7 attempts. Hit you know, 0.6 threes in limited minutes. That's not bad. But he can't pass, uh, and the defense is a problem. His advanced stats are okay, though. So there's a little bit there. And yeah, for a guy that was outplayed by Ken Birch for most of the season and has had consistent injury problems, and we didn't really see him in the bubble at all as he was recovering from COVID, which obviously had a big impact on him. I'm not completely giving up on Mo Bumba. I don't think he's ever someone you want to rely upon to play 33 minutes a night because offensively and defensively, he struggles in both areas. But in terms of what he can do fantasy-wise, his ability to block shots is huge. He's hitting threes, which is huge. Uh, his rebounding is decent as well, which is another really positive thing. If he played 26 minutes a night, he would be an absolute fantasy guy to look at. Is there some value maybe in taking a punt on him? Yeah, I think there is. I talked about that when looking at his dynasty ADP, that I'd take that flyer on him to see if eventually, in I think it's probably in two years' time, they look to maybe start him, or he goes to another team and fills in a 25-minute-a-night role as a, you know, a platoon-type center. But it wasn't not a complete disaster from Bumba this year. It wasn't the greatest, and you would hope that he would do a lot more considering the guys drafted around him, like Jaron Jackson and Trey Young, have already established themselves as key NBA players, and Bumba's really not flourishing at all and at times has been the third best center on this team. I think he was better than Ken Birch for chunks of this season, not not the whole season. I thought Birch had some good moments, and Birch was a better player um, last season. And when Vooch went down, you saw Birch was the guy... Uh, who was able to step up and uh, and and, uh, and play you know, some decent enough basketball as a, a filler position at center because he plays defense and Bumba really struggles with that despite the high block numbers. I'm not giving up on him yet. He's heading into his third season. He's just 22, but yeah, absolute superstar. I think we can rule that out for Bumba. Jimmy Ennis um, came across in that trade 30 years of age, 18 minutes a night, six and a half points, 44% from the field, half a three, sorry, half a steal, um, 0.83s, fine. Like, he, he's okay. In the bubble, he got up to 27 minutes. He's just not someone that even if they say, well, you're our starter and you're playing 31 minutes a night, that he's got tremendous fantasy upside. He'll hit some threes. He'll be a bit like Terrence Ross, but ideally, they'd want to give that role to Trimura Keke to be your starting small forward. I think it'll be Ennis to begin with, but as I said, he does have a player option and maybe someone wants to throw him more than 2.1 million and he finds himself on a different team. I don't think the market will be extremely high for Ennis at this point, who was a negative in both PIPM and Raptor. True shooting was okay, but he can hit some threes. He can play some okay defense. He is absolutely fine as a stopgap small forward, but with Carter Williams, with Ross, with a Kiki back in the mix, I don't think he's going to have quite the same role he did as he did at the end of this season when uh, when uh, Johnny Isaac was out. Who's next? Well, who's next is the Chief. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. El Farouk Aminu, the 313th ranked player, he wasn't good at all. He was actually shit all of the time. And then he had a knee injury that limited him to just 18 games. Uh, 21 minutes a night, four points and five rebounds. I remember when he was signed in free agency, people were panicking. Oh my God, Aminu is going to cut into Isaac's minutes. They're going to play Isaac 25 minutes. They're going to play uh, 22 minutes. They're going to play Gordon, you know, these limited minutes because they got Aminu. They, I didn't think that was ever the case. That was clearly not the case. And Aminu was terrible. He shot 29% from the field. 
He had a true shooting of 40%. His Raptor was negative 2.4. He's 30 years of age. He hit 25% of his threes. Part of his appeal was he can be a low-volume three-pointer shooter with some decent defense. Strong rebounder as well. Five rebounds in 21 minutes is pretty good as a small forward, power forward type player. One steal. Um, the knee injury, consistent injuries from this guy. I worry that he might be uh, cooked. Uh, I think there's a real problem with uh, with him in injuries. I think the shooting might have fallen off. And when you're not an elite level player, when you hit 30-ish, declines can be pretty rapid. And I think we're at that stage for Aminu. I wouldn't... I, I'll say it this way. I don't think I'm going to be playing the sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit drop all that much for Aminu in the coming year. So let's give it one more. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. So I think he's just going to be shit from now on, which is unfortunate for him. And this knee injury comes at a terrible time. Look, I think he can be better than he was this year if he is back. And the shooting, it can't be worse. So he will have to improve. Will he ever you know, touch the sides of the top 150? Probably not, but maybe he can have a top 200 season. But he is 30 years of age, and I reckon we might be seeing a, uh, a bit of a downturn in the Chief Alvarukaminu. Next up is Weza Wundu, the 341st ranked player. Lots of opportunities for a Wundu, with Isaac going down, with Aminu being hurt, and he still played only 18 minutes and averaged 6 points. Second round draft pick a couple of years ago. I don't really know what he does that's good. Like, what, what is he? What, what does he do that's good? I, I don't know what that is for Weza Wundu. Even in the bubble, he was bad. Nine points in 21 minutes, despite shooting 51%. But no steals, no blocks, doesn't rebound. Um, just some real struggles for him. Negative uh, 1.7 Raptor, 14 usage. Does he have any future upside? I am pretty doubtful of it, to be honest. He's a restricted free agent. The opportunities have been there for him to step up. I don't think the Magic will fall all over themselves to you know, pay him a lot to bring him bring him back. But I think ideally they would like him back for some depth at that position. But that's a lot of small forward-like players. Terrence Ross, Carter Williams, Ennis, Awundu, Gary Clark, Melvin Frazier, Akiki coming back in the mix. So uh, a lot of these guys maybe won't return. And who knows what the hell the future holds for the Chief Al-Faruq Aminu or even James Ennis. But someone, some of that group is going to go. And Wundu, I don't think, has done enough to really establish himself as someone that you've got to bank on to be a, a really good player for you know the rest of his uh, career. Ken Birch, the the tree. Um, I thought he was pretty poor this year, to be honest. He had opportunities when there were injuries. They played big front courts of him and Vooch together. He plays Vooch at times, but four and five with half a block. He's not going to cut it. He'd had some really good numbers in the past. They weren't here this year. Negative 2.7 PIPM with a 57 true shooting. Uh, 28 years of age. I don't think we'll see a huge amount of him this season with Vooch and Bumba likely being the one and two centers. I just don't think he'll be an every night rotation type player. Hopefully Bumba is able to take that step forward and and establish himself there. But he did outplay Bumba at times this year. But I think that we might have seen the end of the usefulness for Ken Birch. And that will probably start to drop off pretty rapidly. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is out of the league in, in a couple of years' time. Next up is the Comet Gary Clark, who was uh, playing for the Rockets and then was uh, signed by the Magic 370th ranked player. One of those guys that when he is out there, people get really excited for Gary Clark. Oh man, Gary Clark's out there. Is he a must-roster player? He's played 30 minutes a night. And... That, that's true. He, he sometimes does play 30 minutes a night, and he filled in for Aaron Gordon in the bubble. He uh, had six points in 20 minutes with a block a game. And it's his block per game that really gets people interested, and he hit 1.63. So that's a good combination. But every, literally everything else that he does 
is subpar. He doesn't pass. He's not a good rebounder. He's a very low-volume scorer. Um, the defensive stats are always pretty nice for Clark. He averaged 1.3 blocks per 36 and uh, point, uh, 0.6 steals per 36. And last season, he was at 1.5 blocks and 1.1 steals per 36. But I just don't really see him as a super long-term option. He's 26 already. If Look, I think ideally you want to see what he can bring, and maybe he fills that Aminu backup power forward type role if the Chiefs not up to it. Clark is a restricted free agent. He had a 0.87 PIPM in the G League, which is not a bad number, but his NBA PIPM was negative 2.16, and I think he gets a little bit overhyped at times. But those defensive numbers, the three-point shooting was okay from Gaz for this upcoming or for this last season. Melvin Frazier, been a massive disappointment. Two years in, he just has barely played. 19 games, 6 minutes, 2 points, 44%. Being a guy that maybe he can handle the ball, play some good defense. We just haven't seen any of it. Negative 7.4 Raptor is horrendous. 14 usage, negative uh, 0.93 PIPM in the G League. He was a solid 0.67 in the G League. And you know, what he averaged is 18 points with 6 rebounds and 2.2 steals. And that's the appeal of Frazier, is getting high steal numbers and being able to be a solid enough scorer. But only 32% from 3. Another 66% from the Lions season, so under 70 both years in the G League, which is highly disappointing, and that doesn't uh, portend well for him to be a good three-point shooter. What he is is a guy that gets steals, and that's why you have to keep an eye on him because he can be hyper-athletic, and his ability to play defense at that level is interesting. But it hasn't translated across to the NBA at this point, and uh, I'm a little worried that it's just not going to get there. I haven't really been impressed by too much of what I've seen from Frazier in the NBA in his limited time. BJ Johnson, he's a player. He uh, played some games for this team, 10 of them. In fact, eight minutes a night, three points, 28% shooting. Hard to judge too much there. What did he do in the G League? That's a good question because he was unbelievable. 23 points per game in 36 minutes. He shot 41% from three on over five attempts. Last year in the G League, he shot 44% from three. It's not a fluke. He averaged six rebounds and two steals. So some massive, massive G League numbers for BJ Johnson. And that should at least get you interested. 25, uh, he's how old he is. He's 25 years of age. His G League PIPM wasn't spectacular, but he's a restricted free agent. I'd like to give him another chance. I'd like to see what he can do on this team. Um, maybe throw him in the G League again on another two-way. But that level of scoring with a level of shooting is a, th is a thing that this team needs. They need someone who can play on the wing, who can be a shooter, who can be a scorer. And maybe BJ Johnson's that guy. I'm not sure that he is, but maybe he is. Next up is um, Vic Law, another two-way guy who was the 516th-ranked fantasy player because he played eight minutes a night in eight games and averaged under two points. Really hard to understand uh, what what much of what he is based on that. Let's look at his G League numbers. He is a 6'7 guard forward type. He averaged 20 points per game. He shot 40% from three as well. So that shooting is impressive. 89 from the line. Eight rebounds per game. Yeah, some okay numbers there. 0.9 steals, 0.7 blocks is nothing to be super into. Um, and his G League PIPM was the best out of all of those guys, Frazier and Johnson. He was at a 1.17. So a little bit to like with what Vic Law was able to do in the G League. Now, Law is like BJ Johnson, almost 25. So yeah, upside is not particularly huge. But they did acquit themselves pretty well at that level. And maybe they could be rotation players ahead of an Awundu, ahead of a Frazier, ahead of a Clark at some point in the next couple of years. They're at least names to keep an eye on because I thought what they did in the G League was okay. And there is still some upside potential for them. 
The last guy we talk about is a player we don't have any numbers for because that's Chumura Kiki, who was the 16th pick in last year's draft and sat out all year with a torn ACL. A guy that came in from Auburn as uh, with a reputation to be really good defensively and with some offensive upside. In uh, college, he didn't do huge amounts, let's be honest. He averaged 12 points per game in his sophomore season in 29 minutes. But what he did do was average 1.8 steals and 1.2 blocks. He shot 39% from three across his two seasons in college, which is encouraging. It's not on huge volume, but 89 out of 229 is not terrible. Um, And he averaged seven rebounds per game as a sophomore. What we're really interested there is in the steals and blocks. Can he become something more dynamic offensively? Well, it's happened in the past for guys like Kawhi Leonard, but of course, that's the outlier. Do we expect guys to be like Kawhi Leonard? No. But Okiki's ability to get defensive numbers, we've seen it already with John Isaac, get defensive numbers and you're a top 30 player. Can Okiki get to that level? He probably can't get the level of blocks that uh, Isaac did, but steals, two per game? Sure. In a couple of years' time, maybe he can get to that level. I'd really like to see what he's able to do. It's going to be instructive how he looks on the court in his first year back after not playing in two years almost by the time he gets back out there. So he's going to be a little bit rusty. And it's all going to come down to, is he a 31% three-point shooter or can he be a 38% three-point shooter? Do that, get some volume in there, be a really good defender. I do like his ability as an upside player. Yeah, more than, of course, your BJ Johnsons and your Vic Laws and Melvin Frazier's and Weser Wundus and Jim Ennis and Al Farouk Amino. I think there is some significant upside there. Not as high as Isaac, of course, not as high as Fultz, in my opinion. But I reckon there is a chance of him being a, a couple-time top 100 fantasy player. That'll do it. For me today, guys, don't forget to subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.